Welcome to the Caged Vision Show, where each week we talk about one thing, putting your vision to work. So whether you're the CEO of a large company, maybe an executive within a large company, maybe you're a small company, maybe you are an entrepreneur that is just getting started. Each of you has a vision for where you want to go in the future, and we talk about how to get there, how to put that vision to work. Enjoy the show. Hey everyone, it's Carrie Rome, and I've got a special guest today. You're on the listening to the Caged Vision podcast. Today I'm with Ed Andrew, and I feel like Ed ups my cool factor because he lives in Australia. And that just, you know, Ed, can you speak to that? Does that, does that make me somewhat <laughs> even uh, that, I, that I'm speaking to someone? I got a friend in Australia. Hey, Gary, well, thanks. First yeah. of all, thanks very much for having me. I'm, I'm actually English as well. So here, I've been here on and off 17 years. But you know what? If you want to be cool and, 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 and talking to someone in Australia, I'm very happy with that. And, and the thing is, I also love the accent of the Deep South. So I'm really happy to be talking to you. And you're in Alabama and I'm in, I'm in Australia. I love it. So we're, we're drafting off of each other with our, uh, with our accents here. So um, very good. You have a, an amazing story. You actually had me as a guest on, on your podcast, which I was thrilled. Had a wonderful conversation. And I said, Ed, I need you on the Cage Vision podcast because this podcast is it's all about helping people who are on the cusp. They've got, that, they've got that vision. It's locked in their head. And we want to provide encouragement and confidence to, to go ahead and take the leap. But as you know, you've done it. It's not just about throwing caution to the wind, um, but it's also not about over planning. So why don't you t- give us your story, your journey on, uh, you know, on how you got to where you are now. Well, I've done it a few times, Kerry. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. I think as, I'm, as I get older, I must be getting more, I get crazier. Okay. Um, but okay, well, the, the, the journey is this the, the first time I did this, I was sitting, because I'm English, I was born in England, lived there for 30, well, the first 30 years of my life. But I always knew, I always knew I had this like little nagging feeling that I, I didn't want to do this forever, that I didn't want, to, I felt. As, and it's such a great name, your podcast, Cage Vision, because I didn't feel my vision was caged. I just felt that like I was caged, that I couldn't uh, really express myself. I didn't know how to express myself. And I was a young barrister, which is a, a trial attorney. So it has a lot of prestige, a lot of kudos in the England. Um, and it's seen as being, you know, very cerebral, very academic, and, and also very, you know, highly prestigious role to have in life. Um, I don't know why, but it would be normal people. But, you know, we, 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 we go to work in buildings which are 500 years old, and, you know, we wear wigs and gowns, and, you know, we... we yeah. <laughs> so when you say, when you say I, did, I didn't want to do this, you're talking about the profession, no, I'm not talking about the profession. I love the profession. I, I, I love the, the history and I loved fighting for justice. I loved all of that. What I didn't like is that, is that even though I'd, I'd had a, you know, a, a great upbringing in the sense that I went to you know, one of the most famous English boarding schools in the world, right? And so from all that aspects, it was full of privilege and I was very lucky to have that. But I also knew that this society that I was living in wasn't really me. Right. It wasn't mm. really who 
who I was, uh, I could exist in it. But I sort of, you know, I, I just wanted to challenge and debate and have other conversations. Um, yeah. So I felt a little bit caged around that. And, and when I would meet people, I wouldn't meet the people that would stimulate me to have those conversations. So I always thought, well, you know, I'll just go to Australia, which is the furthest place I can possibly get to. And you know, <laughs> my father... Any ties, had my, any ties to Australia at that point? No, uh, well... My brother had been here on his gap year and my father had said he'd always wanted to come here. He'd been here before. My uncle has got lots of ties here, but I'd never been. And, and my father died when I was 30 and I was fortunate enough to be in a position where I had a bit of freedom financially. And I thought, okay, this is it. I, I just cannot stand England anymore. I need to get out. Um, and so I got on a plane and I, uh, well, I should say that the, the catalyst for that is I was working with a, a lady who's an Australian. She said, look, no one's doing what you want to do in Australia. Why don't you just go there and have a look? And I, I thought, well, fine, I'll just get on the plane and go. And getting on a plane to Australia from London is a 23-hour flight, okay? And you're going to a country which is bigger than North America, only has 22 million people in it, and I knew not one person. <laughs> so, yeah, I'll just show up and figure it out. <laughs> I'll show up and figure it out. <laughs> so I'm not, I wouldn't necessarily advocate that to everyone as their first step in writing out of there. That, 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 that goes back to the uh, just, you know, throwing caution to the wind. Just, well, it's just doing it. I and mean, as I say, I was fortunate enough that I, that I could afford to do it sure. financially, but emotionally, you, you just don't know what you're going to get. So I turned up, I spent a couple of weeks here, you know, I sort of went and hugged the opera house, this beautiful building, which is, you know, world famous and made a few phone calls and thought, okay, I went home, said to my girlfriend, well, I'm going to live in Australia. Uh, you know, I sold my house. Uh, I sold my house a few years later, I left all my friends and came here. And, you know, I had... I had no thought to, I'm leaving everything behind me. My only thought was I'm going to create something. And as you get older, the difference is, is you have much more thought to where are my friends? You know, where, where is the support? And when you become a parent as well is where is the support going to be for my wife, for the children? Yeah. So we change. So as your vision changes in life, because my passion 30 years ago and 20 years ago and 10 years ago is not my passion today. Okay. Yeah. My, the reason for being here remains the same. I love working with people. I love helping people. I love unpacking right. problems for people. That's always remained constant, but how I do that has changed. Um, I think to give you another example, which maybe is going to resonate more with your audience is that, you know, I've been through a number of different businesses um, and I've always believed just get on a plane, go and have a meeting, go and look someone in the eye. Okay. We're looking, we, we, we may be 6,000 miles apart at the moment, um, but we're still looking at each other on zoom. Right. Okay. Um, so we're making that connection. And so one day um, I was having, we had a fashion business with my wife and I was the business leader, uh, business, you know, the business side of it and she's the creative. And I was sitting in uh, New York finishing up a trade fair and she was in Bali in Indonesia where we were living at the time. Uh, sorry, we were living in, in Sydney at the time. And um, she said, how'd you go? How'd it go? And I said, well, you know, went okay, but it's, we're never going to get to where we want to be um, by doing it like this, the way we're doing it. We need to change the way we're doing it. And so my wife being, um, and, and a mother as well, said, okay, well, we just, she's going to do it fairly radically. And she said, okay, well, where's the cheapest place we can live because living in eastern suburbs of sydney is prohibitively expensive um 
beautiful but very very expensive um where's the cheapest place we can live where we can learn about our business give our children a good lifestyle and be healthy because i was recovering from prostate cancer which i'd beaten and i was good and i was clean and so i said well let's go up to byron bay which is you know sort of like going to california but rather than going to la be going to southern california right so it's less frenetic um she said no let's go to bali it's like i've never been to bali indonesia we're going from we've come from london to sydney i'm in new york and now we're going to go and live in indonesia (laughs) right um and then she explained why she thought that would be a great idea why it'd be a great lifestyle and the first thing i did was okay we're parents is there going to be a school I, fortunately, I had a, a childhood friend who lives there who's been there for 15 years. They know all about it. So I was able to ask questions. But my point to your audience is this, is when you start on that journey and you have this tapping on your shoulder, whatever's nagging at you thinking, I need to do better at this. I need to be doing something else or something's not working for me. The first thing I do always is research. Hmm. Right, it's, it's not, it may seem as simple as just jumping on a plane and going to Sydney, but that jumping on a plane and going to Sydney was research. There was two weeks of coming here, having conversations. Can I live here? What are the tax situation? How do I set up a company? How do I do all the things that I know I've got to do, even though I'd never owned a business before? So what, earlier what, you said, earlier you said, when, when, I, when I left for Australia, I was not leaving my friends. I was leaving to create something. What was that that you wanted to create? So it's very specific actually for me. So I'd been a headhunter, uh, you know, headhunter in the top flight for, for a few years in London, putting investment yeah. bankers, forgive me, pardon my soul for dealing with investment bankers, <laughs> but I did. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know enough to... Uh, Lehman, Lehman Brothers was actually a client of ours, so I'll, okay. I'll, I'll, leave, I'll leave it at that. Leave it at that. Yeah. I'll leave it at that. Um, I think we even did some work from Enron as well, which is really even more worrying. But anyway, um, um, which of course, you know, well, Kerry. So I I was in the world of headhunting. I'd moved from being a barrister into the world of headhunting, which again is about people, not so cerebral, but it's about people. It's about helping people ultimately. And so I, I was a lawyer. So it was uh, a lot of lawyers as well. And, and this lady I was working with said, just go to Australia because my idea was to change the model, pioneer a new model of recruitment. Nothing particularly extraordinary. It's just that we were going to, I wanted to do it in a way it had never been done before. Yeah. Um, and so I went to Australia and the idea was to export Australian, New Zealand lawyers around the world to the hot hubs like New York, London, yeah. and now yeah. Moscow, Dubai, wherever, Tokyo, Singapore, at the very elite level. But to do that, not using a method of had only been done before, which is combine research, but not get headhunting fees. So in other words, we would mine the market and we would then make those introductions to our clients around the world, um, but only get paid on success. Mm. It's very different to the way that the typical headhunting journey works. And And I knew we could do that. How did you define success there? Well, when you get paid. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no, for the, for the client. So, so you're, you're oh, for the research. client. Yeah. So, so, the, so, um, but, so I went to the, I went to Australia to, to, and had a few conversations with lawyers here saying, you know, would you be interested in going to work in London or New York? Yeah. To be honest, you know, the exchange rate when I came to Australia was $3 to the pound. Um, and they were getting paid a lot more money and England's much more 
cheap is a much cheaper is a cheaper country to live in. New York, their salaries are enormous for lawyers, mm-hmm. and around the world as well. So really, it's a bit of a no brainer for them. Yeah. So I knew that the business idea had legs, um, but I had to, you know. Uh, let me put it in perspective. I haven't said this. It's actually a very important part of the story. Um, so my first client meeting was the day after 9-11. So on oh, wow. 9-11, I, like many others of the audience, watched those planes fly into the towers. And, you know, that's, I'll never, that, that image will never leave me for the rest of my life, as it will right. for all of us. Sure. And I walked into, and this is me studying out in the world on, on, on my own for, on my very first day. And I go to see my client in London and the prime minister at the time had put a no fly zone in on London. So no planes in the skies over London. Nine o'clock in the morning, I walk into this global law firm who have offices in New York and our conversation is around, is everyone alive? And it still gives me a chill to even talk about this today. You know, it's, and, I, and I'm sitting in London, not New York right. uh, or anywhere in the States. And, um, Fortunately, they were. Everyone survived, which was amazing. Um, and that's, that was the process of my meetings that day. But the world carried on. The world, you know, and literally a week later, I was on a plane off to Sydney, knowing that my client base had basically been erased because no one was going to, no one knew what on earth was going to happen in the world. I mean, this was a catastrophic time in, in world history. I mean, literally, we, you know, when confidence goes, it goes everywhere. So if you're going to a country where you've never been to before to set up a business which has basically been decimated, like every other business was on that day. Right. Um, and think you're right. Okay, here we go. Um, so, so I'm sure. I'm sure that the so our listeners are thinking. Okay, Ed's clearly, you know, deranged. Likes, <laughs> uh, well, yeah, but he likes adventure. He likes adventure. Um, but you know, I, w- I want to make sure that you know. Hopefully, we never see an event like that yeah. again ever. But when you start, when you plan for something. It, it may not be 9-11, hopefully never again. Something will happen to derail your plan. Hmm. It always does. What? So talk to me about how you responded. I know you were going to go there, but I want to just set that up because I, so I really feel like, yeah, I feel like yeah. people need to know that it's not always just the golden path. Well, it's not a golden path. I mean, if you look at what we call in Australia the GFC, which is the global financial crisis or the, the recession in the States in 2008, 2009, you know, that was um, 10 years ago. Are we heading for another one? Quite possibly. We don't know. We've got huge times of geopolitical disruption around the world. Um, so, but I had a degree of luxury in the sense that I knew I could spend a little bit of time in creating this um, before anything happened. So I know the numbers that I generated in my business first, second, third year. And I, I made profit in my first year. But what I did was, okay, so understood that I thought London was going to be my biggest market for me because that's where I lived and it's the biggest financial center in the world, or arguably the biggest financial center in the world. New York had been, you know, America, the business in America, that was it. Um, and the knock-on effect was enormous. But Asia was still... Um, had a, had a good economy. Asia still needed, so yeah, and the Middle East hadn't really started. But so basically, I got to Australia and thought, right, what do I do? Because I can do my research, so I can build, I can build this pool of people. I can have lots of conversations, but it's not going to generate any money for me. So I thought, okay, well, where else in the world can take somebody 
someone who has this talent. And the, the natural place was at that time, because all the financial centers have been pretty much crippled at that time, was Asia, because they have sort of, you know, their own way of doing things. And so I just started getting on a plane going to Hong Kong, mm. uh, meeting clients over there and thought, okay, well, can I sell my service there? Same businesses, don't forget headquartered in the US or headquartered in London, but their offices, rather like when you were at, um, uh, at Anderson's, it's right. just like going, taking a, a, rather than going to New York and London of Anderson, just going to Hong Kong, say, okay, well, can I do business with you here if the rest so of the you, world So you gone. had those, you, didn't, you had connections that you could. I didn't, I had, no, I was picking out the phone to people I'd never spoken to. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Never which, by the way, which, by the way, when you, for our listeners, um, for a lot of people, that's, they are experts in their area. Mm. And, 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 and if everybody just came to them, they, they may be one of the best. However, that's not the way business works. And you have no. to be comfortable enough and confident enough with your offer to pick up the phone and know that with the highest degree of confidence, hey, this is right for you, and, uh, and, and, and we need to talk about this. I think, I think a lot of people um, stop there. They stop with, oh, I'm going to have to sell. It was a fear. I think there's a natural yeah. fear, carry that Which, mean, look, because it's, it leads to rejection. I mean, you know, absolutely. It's absolutely. just rejection after rejection after rejection. Well, it's, it is, but... It depends on how you look at it. And, you know, I know one of the things we're going to get into and we haven't yet is how we help people um, step out of that cage, right? Mm -hmm. They have the vision, but they have this self-inflicted cage they've built around them, which is like, you know, it's like the gold bars outside, but I, I, yeah. I can put my hand through the gold bar and touch it, but I can never bring it into the cage because it won't fit. <laughs> right. <laughs> if, if you look at it visually like that. Right. So they can see, you know, you know that if you make, if you're in sales, if you make a hundred calls and your hundred calls are good, you know, you can make a hundred calls a day and get nowhere because your tone's wrong, your energy's wrong, you're calling the wrong client, you've got the wrong pitch, everything just is terrible, you're never going to get anywhere, right? Or you can right. have a beautifully crafted script, um, which is meaningful, which is impactful, which shows you're listening, that you're calling the right person in the right organization that actually wants or may be interested in a product that you have to offer. Then if you make a hundred calls, you will, you will have impact. You will have success if everything else is aligned, but you can have the best product in the world and the worst possible offering and speak to the wrong person. You're going to get shut down every day and, and you're going to think that your business is a failure because nothing happened. No, it's about, you didn't line it up properly. You didn't set it up. Which is why I talk about research. Isn't it? You know what? Yeah. When you, when you're doing, when you've got that vision and you're getting tapped on the shoulder all the time, you know, or you're in, I would say, you know, your soul is getting tapped on the shoulder or your, your heart is, it's not your head. Right? Right. <laughs> it's something saying to you, there's something else for you or do this in a different way. And you just don't know how to grab it. You don't know how to listen to it really properly is the first thing you do is, is um, if it's a technical thing is you do your research, yeah. go out there and find out, okay, well, this thing, which I'm after, what does it look like? What does it feel like? Okay, write it down, describe it. How do I achieve it? Imagine if I had it today. And the thing about cage vision is if you reframe it into, and as you say, oh, crap, I've got to make 100 calls. I'm going to, it's going to be horrible. If you reframe that into, imagine if I make 100 calls today. 
and I speak to 10 people and five people buy my product, how flipping happy am I going to be at the end of that day? Yeah. I've made sales. I've got commissions. My manager's going to be happy. If I own my business, if you own your own business, I'm going home with money today. Yeah. How exciting is that? Yeah. That well, I think the way we do things. It does. And I think it starts with a commitment that um, it, it starts with your research, right? But then, okay, if there's, a, if there's a weakness here and it's something that this organization needs and everyone needs sales in order to survive, if you're not going to do it, who is going to do it? And how are they going to be prepared? And what are you going to do? What are you going to commit to work on and not just bang your head against the wall like you just referenced, but commit to where you're learning from every conversation and you're refining so that you, you're demonstrating that value that that was the reason you felt that tap to begin with, because you knew that you had more value to give. And I yeah. think that's, that's a great point there. Yeah, you know, I think when you absolutely know that you have more value, the thing is when you're getting tapped on the shoulder, it's because you know you're missing something. If you're not getting tapped on the shoulder, you're either not in tune with yourself or you get it, you've got everything already, which yeah. is rare, but <laughs> very rare. It's, it's rare. But if you are one of those people, you, you're exploring life in a slightly different way anyway. But yeah. that tap is just saying to you, and, and it gets louder and louder and louder, and the lessons get harder. And I can tell you this as a business owner, and I can tell you this as a husband and a father, the less you pay attention to that tap on your shoulder, the lessons will get harder for you, and the tap will get louder until it forces you into doing something. And I had a, a wonderful guest on my show called Philip Stutz, who you've met. Uh, yeah, he's, yeah, <laughs> he's I, also I from Alabama. So big yeah, shout so out to Alabama. When I say I know Philip, a, a friend is connected. I told you he spoke at Rotary. Um, I yeah. need to get him on our show as well. But he's got a fabulous story. Right? He has a fabulous story. And, and he was, so for those who don't know him, uh, he is probably the political marketing guru of North America. Uh, he's helped win three U.S. presidential elections. Don't worry about what side of the fence he sits on. He, you know, it's just his ability. He's an incredible, incredible man. He's also got an incurable illness called achalasia. Um, and he set out on a mission to beat it. But he said, you know, for five years, I ignored it. Five years. And he mm. said, I, it only changed when the pain of what I was facing was too great to ignore. In other words, technically death or, or sure. serious illness. And I think the, the point of your show, Kerry, and the point of people like me is the mission is you don't have to get to that space before you make a decision to make a change in your life, right? It's crazy to wait that long. Some people do, but you don't need to. There are wonderful people out there who can help you explore your vision to help you unpack what that little tap on your shoulder is. But the first thing you've got to do, and everything that I've told you today or suggested today is about taking action. There is nothing that I haven't done which hasn't involved me actually getting out there. You don't have to travel 10,000 miles, right? right? All you literally have to do is pick up the telephone or yeah. send an email to someone saying, can you help me? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Or can I, you know, pick up the phone and say, well, just imagine, imagine if I won that 
if I put that in, and, and what I suggest to people is a little exercise, it's a little mental exercise just to remove some of that fear. And, you, you know, you can go deep down into the root cause and, and change this over the period of time. It's not a quick fix, but this will just a little mental exercise will help you immediately, which is reframe that into rather than what if I get this wrong? What if I get this right? Mm-hmm. And picture yourself, visualize yourself and the feeling of joy and happiness that you will have and actually feel it, breathe it. I encourage you to breathe that feeling into your body and sit with it for a minute or two minutes and take a few deep breaths. How will I feel? How does my body feel when I have that success that I want? Feel that. And then you can feel, what does it feel like when I don't have that? And you'll feel a sense of no doubt anxiety, maybe a heaviness in your chest or your legs or a frustration yeah. or a, some people anger, rage. Well, which one's the one you want? Yeah. It's definitely not. That. Yeah. It's pretty yeah, simple, you, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. It may seem like a simple exercise. It is a really simple exercise. Yeah. Well, you said something earlier that that you started with research, which is great. And then you said, ask for help. I love, I love the ask for help. I always encourage people. um, If you're going to ask for help, please do the person that you're asking for help, do them a favor and have be prepared. And then, um, listen to their recommendations don't that doesn't mean necessarily go and do every recommendation but if 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 someone invests their time in you and then that you come back one month later and you've done nothing that they've told you to do they're you're wasting their time yeah right that's i mean we're talking about mentoring and coaching here and i think there's um there's a there's a big difference and for those people who are looking for that change in whatever it is in business in life it just may be a little thing it may be a big thing is yeah you ask for help the the first thing well the first thing you do is you can ask i would say put before that go and find the right person to ask so again that comes down to research ask your friends ask if, if you haven't got a brilliant network of people around you ask your friends um ask your family even go on if you if you use social media, put a post up. You know, I need some help around this mm. in life. Does anyone recommend anyone? Does anyone use this service that I'm looking for? Okay, go online, right? Go and research the type of things that you're looking for help or find someone. If it's someone in your local area, go and ask your local chamber of commerce or business center or if it's something which is more spiritual or if it's something which is more emotional. Go and find the people who provide those services mm. and go and talk to them. As, as you absolutely perfectly say, Kerry, this is not about taking everything at face value. I mean, so, uh, taking everything that people tell you as, as truthful that works for you, right? Is you go and explore. When, when I was trying to, when I was battling prostate cancer, the first thing I did was apart from like six hours of or eight hours of, oh, woe is me. It's like, oh, mm. enough of that nonsense, right? I got to beat this now. <laughs> one night's, one bad night's sleep and right, that's onto it. So I picked up the phone the very first thing the next morning and I called someone who could refer me to someone who could deal with me physically and emotionally and spiritually. Like, mm. right, I need these people in my life right now today. And I want to meet them today because I do not, I cannot wait a second longer. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, and that is basically, it doesn't matter what element of your life you're looking or what element of your life that cages is, is, um, 
imprisoning is go and find those people. And when you go and meet them, don't walk in there thinking, right, this is going to be the Holy Grail. This is going to be my guru. Think, okay, can you help me? Are you an expert in this area? And do you resonate with me? Do I actually mm. do I like what you've got to say? And you go and meet a few of those people and you work out what works for you. And then you yeah. do the work. Because going to a coach and being coachable are two very, very different things. And if you oh, have that's a, mentor, a great point. Yeah. And if you know, if you have a mentor which may be free because there's someone, you know, maybe a an elder statesman in your business, if you're looking for a, a business coach, or maybe someone outside of that, and you ask them to help you with with whatever crisis you're facing, or it may not even be a huge crisis, but whatever it is, um, they're going to expect you to do something. And if you don't do something, you are wasting their time. They're not going to help you, and that doesn't help yeah. you. And that becomes about being coachable, and it also becomes being focused on the things that you really need to do. Because what we often do is we ignore the things that we need to do, the daily tasks and activities, which bring us pain. They bring us pain because we have a fear of doing them, even though that fear is irrational sometimes because, well, the fear is rational, but the underlying reason for it is maybe irrational. Um, but when you do it, you realize, well, that was just so easy. I mean, I, often, uh, often, <laughs> I can tell you this, Kerry, you know, often in my business, I've had to sit down with a list of a hundred things, a hundred people. I've got to call thinking, Oh God, I've got to call these hundred people, but I force myself to do it because I know that they will generate results for me. It's not the thing which I'm picking up the phone and calling someone that, that initial dial is not the thing that brings me joy in my life. Right? But right. the thing which brings me joy is actually helping them solve a problem. Once you speaking to the right person. So there are also lots of little things in your life that you'll have to do, which you do not enjoy doing. Now, until you get to the stage when you can outsource all of them to a VA or someone, you know, it's not a bad exercise to do things that you actually don't enjoy doing. Yeah. Um, learning pieces of the business is, is actually a really good exercise. Just know, I mean, to your point, learn it and know that's not my strength. And then if you can afford to outsource it, do that. Because if you're not exercising your strength, you don't need to be wasting your time on it. No. And, but on the other hand, um, it's always, it, you can't do so when you're getting to running a billion dollar business because there's just too many parts of the, of the component parts. But as you're growing it, if you understand what marketing is, what sales is, understand what the technical team are doing, understand, you know, um, what the product team are doing. If you understand how those things work, it's easier for you to hire the right people into them and easier mm -hmm. for you to have oversight of them. Oh yeah, certainly. And I think, you know, you, you just, the thing is with all of this is you have to get your hands dirty. Oh, either physically or mentally. You've just yeah. got to, you're not going to be able to move out of that cage and break down those barriers if you're not prepared to be uncomfortable. That's a wonderful point. And why don't we, why don't we close by telling people, we talked about your, you know, businesses that you started in the past, but tell them about what you do now. Sure. So today really falls into two camps. Um, one, as you know, I'm a podcaster, so that's called Human Impact. So you can come and listen to that, um, which I'd, I'd love for you to come and to come and have a listen. Come and listen to Carrie's show on on my podcast. The second thing is I help people um, who are absolutely in this space, who have a cage vision, whether it's in their business or it's in their personal life, and help them move through that so that they can align. Um, really all different aspects of their life. So their work, their relationships, um, financials, um, but mainly there is no point in, in my opinion, whether you are a startup founder, a successful business owner, an entrepreneur, whether you have a salary, 
in only having one or two things which work for you in life. I think that if you want to be truly free, then everything works for you. And it works for everybody differently, but that's what I help people do. So I do a lot of work in the business advisory space um, and a lot of work on the moving people really from a corporate role, professionals from a corporate role into something which aligns more to what they're looking for in life and to more, more aligns to what serves them in life. So basically that little tap on the shoulder, I help them in. Uh, unpack that and then they get real growth in every aspect of their life and so for many ceos and founders of businesses it's that's the thing that holds their business back it's generally not the business that holds them back because we can look at that there are lots of business people out there like me who can really help you grow your business it's the human element of why you're not seeing that in yourself yeah very very good now at how do people find you um, okay, well, as I say, Human Impact uh, Podcast, they can find me there or they can find me at thehumanconsultancy.com, which is my website, and uh, Ed Andrew on LinkedIn and, and social media. Oh, I love it. Ed, thank you so much for being a guest. If you want continued encouragement and confidence and unlocking your caged vision, keep listening. If you want it faster, uh, reach out to us, reach out to Ed. We'd love to help you in any way we can. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week.